In the early days of the internet, radical libertarians were scattered, lonely, and faceless. Without direction, they resigned to scour the web, sifting through content providers in a wasteland plagued by YouTube demonetization, Facebook jail, and covert internet censorship. But then, in 2017, the Libertarian Union was formed. Finally, the average Joe Libertarian could find a thriving community of independent podcasters and content providers, all in one convenient location. At Libertarian Union, we'll always have the latest news, interviews, discussions, and even movie reviews. With hundreds of episodes and more added all the time, you'll always find something fresh at libertarianunion.com. Welcome, everyone, to episode 31 of the Culture of Peace podcast. My name is Luke Tatum, and this is the show where I interview people who are advancing the message of liberty and changing the culture for the better. You know, there's lots of podcasts out there. As always, thank you for choosing this one and listening in, hearing what I have to say and, you know, taking the message seriously enough to spread the word around leave reviews, all that good stuff. It's all very appreciated. Now, today, the show notes page is going to be luketatum.com slash 31. And be sure to check that after the show to get links to all the juicy stuff that we talk about today. Today's guest is another returning one. I'm going to be talking to Nick Picone. Nick is um, always doing a ton of stuff to promote liberty. Last time we talked about his podcast, Sounds Like Liberty, which is a great show that I've had the pleasure of appearing on, and I'll link to that on the show notes page, of course. But today, I want to focus on a new podcast of his called Free Markets Green Earth. But first, let's bring him on. Nick, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me there, Luke. Of course, glad to have you back. Um, we're always in contact these days, it seems like. So, um, you know, I thought this made a lot of sense. We have a lot to talk about on a day-to-day basis, and you've got a lot going on that I don't even know about. So being up front with the audience, I have really no idea what all you've got going on with this new show. So what's Free Markets Green Earth? Tell me the quick pitch for it all right so for the past couple months it's been getting talked about a lot more um i've been a hippie my whole life to a certain degree my little brothers have always picked on me about it and it's funny when you're on the particular part of the political spectrum that we are people just assume that you're a, a greedy capitalist who wants to burn the earth to the ground you know you don't care about global warming and anything like that the issue is is that uh, that that's not me at all. I care very deeply about the earth. Uh, unfortunately, I think a lot of the conventional wisdom that goes around is does more damage to Mother Earth, <laughs> quote unquote, than the alternatives. Uh, it's one of those situations where if you really follow the history and you look at what's going on, follow the incentives is always my 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 big mantra. You'll find out that free markets, as much as it's good for everything else. 
the environment isn't something special that all oh, this is the one instance where the market doesn't provide and doesn't make things better because it does. And I got sick of being on the losing end of the battles and not having any kind of concise place to send people to talk about the environment from a free market perspective. So me and my friend Ben Pangi of the Homesteads and Homeschools podcast created Free Market Screen Earth and it was originally going to be like a, a backroom content behind the paywall for our respective podcasts. But as we were having the conversations, it just became clear, like, we need to get this out in the public and we can't sit on this. There's This is stuff that I see people starting to try and talk about in, in you know chat rooms and group messages, but not many you know, no one knows where to go for the information. So I said, let's be the information. Let's, let's start the conversation. Let's be where the people go to. And it, it, you know, it's been, we've only been outside the paywall for a couple of weeks now, but response has been really good. People seem to be interested in it. And I'm, I'm looking forward to make this conversation. I'm, I'm looking forward to you, free marketer, free marketeers, not losing the conversation in regards to the environment for change. Yeah. I mean, and it's definitely something, you know, from reading I've done and all that, I know that, We've got a solid case, but let me play, I guess, devil's advocate for the majority of this and just try to pitch some things at you that I I think most people just blithely assume are like obvious cases where the market is failing to provide, as you say, Um, like Let's see, the first thing that comes to mind would be what about the giant trash problem like in the oceans? Don't we have a major growing threat to like uh, oceanic wildlife and and all of that because of human uh, waste products like, you know, the uh, plastic that goes in in between your canned goods and, and all of that stuff? Um, what do you have to say about that? All right. So a couple things. Uh, the big, as I mentioned, my big mantra is always follow the incentives. When you have a giant open space like the ocean that nobody owns, nobody has property rights to, you're going to find the same thing as you find in every piece of land on Earth that nobody owns or everyone owns. The property's not taken care of because nobody factors in the future of that particular parcel of land. Same thing takes place in the ocean. The fact of the matter is because everybody has some sort of claim to the ocean, nobody has any sort of claim to the responsibility that the ocean requires. So just getting that out of the way, the fact of the matter is that there are technologies and people that actually care about it that are creating free market ways of dealing with it. One of my favorites is a couple of years ago, I started seeing a pop-up on my Facebook. There's literally a company that sells bracelets that... They go out, they sift through the trash in the ocean with the, these, they, they, the kid develops some boat system to do it. He takes that trash, brings it back, cleans it up, and he sells bracelets out to people, you know, and uses the fun, the bracelets to fund the trash. I might, the bracelets may even be made from the trash that they pull out, but I'm not entirely positive on that part. Um, but the idea being is that people care enough about it. They're going to invest in it. And if you invest in it, eventually it, more of it will happen. So, the fact of the matter is, is the free market's already providing us with solutions. One of the biggest things that happens when it comes to environmentalism, and this is my big, my big issue with the, the shell game, that is the EPA. 
the fact of the matter is, is that with any time, anytime government gets involved in a situation and a problem, people start to think, well, daddy's taking care of it for me. They start <laughs> to believe that there's somebody up there who's looking out for their best interests. But the fact of the matter is, is with the EPA, the incentives don't make any, they, that, that, that's not how the incentive structure works. The people that are in the EPA are placed there from the same companies that they're working on. The fact of the matter is, is the EPA is a way to fundraise for the government in a way to get the people to not pay attention to the companies. Without the EPA, you and I could sue any company that goes and gravely endangers us. Class action lawsuit, for sure. Yeah. Now, this all getting us out of the involvement of the government in the judicial system to begin with. But <laughs> the fact of the matter is, is nobody pays attention to it. A company pollutes right now. What they say is either they were one or two things happened. We were within the we were within the rules that the EP set aside that they arranged in the first place, or they paid a fine. And the fine is just money that the government gets to keep and use on whatever project it wants. So its incentive is to keep them polluting. Hmm. Like okay. the, it, it all boils down to incentives, and if you follow the incentives, you find that the system cannot work the way it's constructed. The fact of the matter is, the EPA's mere existence does more to damage the planet than it not existing. Us doing nothing would at least allow people to know that nobody is fighting for them and that they need to do that themselves. They need to be vigilant and watch what's going on around them. Well, and we have these uh, sorts of problems. I mean, the EPA by itself, for sure, causes a lot of issues. You have the issue where say in California, and I believe this is the EPA, you might know better than I do, but it's a government agency anyway that uh, prevents like controlled burns of uh, debris and, and overgrowth and stuff in the forests in Northern California. And so, of course, that's why there's huge uncontrollable fires. Um, you have that in state and federal parks, uh, really, I think across the United States, uh, certainly Yellowstone, I've heard of that being a problem there. And, you know, really, as you say, anything that they get their hands on, right? Well, but let's not even get into the fact that why are human beings building in places that this is a problem for? Either there's a, an amount of money that is necessitated to keep these places lush and not burning down. Or we probably shouldn't be there in the first place. It's with, like with the government programs, like say the the flood one is the big one that like is just you 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 can't even imagine. Why why are we like for sending money to people who build in flood zones? Like why would we ever do that? Doesn't make any sense. Right. It's the same thing with these with these uh, you know fire trap areas in California. Look, you built in the desert. You built in a place that goes up in flames. What do you expect? It, 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 the whole thing is just frustrating because the whole point is we want people to have a sob, be able to have their sob story for doing something that well, this is a natural outcome of that situation, you know. As and it, and they could take steps to prevent it from becoming an, an issue, like in the case of they could go out do controlled burns and keep it from happening. But the government regulation gets it's so far in the way that you can't even take the steps that would naturally make that a livable condition. What about, like, what about um, endangered species, I guess? That's another big one that get, gets brought up a lot. 
Um, you know, and you know, and you know, the trite, easy response to that is nobody's running out of chicken anytime soon. <laughs> if you can make money on something and have your private property, then it's going to continue to be there because the incentive is for you to keep it to be there. Um, I don't know if you know anything about like the logging industry. Um, yeah. In a places that like you go up into a forest, they'll chop down. Like, if they're doing it well and they're making money in the long term, they're going to keep their property doing a very specific way. They go up there, they tear down the old wood, they plant new wood, and they have a cycle that every every couple of years they go through. They call, they take the biggest, let the small ones grow, take the biggest, and and. Because they have an incentive to continue making money into the long run, there's a legitimate way that you do that business. You don't just go up and clear cut because it doesn't make any sense. You destroy right. the property. Not to mention, if you're doing it this in a cyclic way, you can go up there and still utilize that land as a type of game preserve. You can utilize it for a park. There's different things that you can do to make even more money on that property. Well, and it's interesting, too, um, there's, you know, I've been in the furniture industry, at least on the retail end of things, for a few years. And so um, where I work, we carry furniture that's made um, that has the branding of the Sustainable Forestry Initiative, or SFI, and then there's the... um, Forest Stewardship Council, FSC, they certify like teak products. And that's the kind of things they're looking for. Like, are they replanting sufficiently to, you know, eliminate any concern for deforestation? Are they, you know, holding themselves to a high standard, basically? And, of course, the answer is yes. And companies have an incentive to get that kind of branding on their product, right? Because they want to show, hey, we've been looked at by a neutral third party, a non-government. Well, right. <laughs> you see, now, one of the things, like, we've had a, uh, I think we're, we're going to be putting up episode seven, uh, this, for us, from when I'm recording this, this Thursday. I don't even remember what we were talking about, but we've had some, <laughs> like, some of the conversations that we've had have just been absolutely, like, they're conversations that people need to be having and nobody is having. One of my favorites that we've talked about was, uh, there's literally a type of concrete that a heart doctor designed that takes carbon emissions out of the air to make concrete the thing that we make all of our cities out of now we 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 got a little upset because if if you you go to his website one of the big things that he has on his website is procurement powers explaining to governments how they can force people to use his concrete to you know build their cities Uh oh so, you know, obviously not a, a, a solid actor, you know, and, a, and, a, and a, clearly an avowed statist. But the fact of the matter is, is that someone saw a market and a need for something and they went and did what inevitably is going to happen. They invented the thing that will fix the problem. <laughs> right. Imagine building all of your cities out of a type of concrete that literally takes carbon out of the air to make it. But well, you don't then- hear people have- having those conversations you don't hear the talk about like because they don't work for the narrative it, it it's always like amusing to me like that the narrative is so 
tenuously and clearly manipulatively constructed because, you know, they talk about, you know, power and power generation. And you always hear about the, you know, wind and solar, which without government subsidization are not viable solutions. Right. Not to mention, you know, the fact that the batteries and you look into the batteries and find out how detrimental they are to the environment just to exist because the rare earth metals are destroying China at a rate you can't even freaking imagine. Which coincidentally, you know, China, not a free market, you know, more than happy to destroy its its land and its property to get cheap rare earth metals to other nations. The fact of the matter is, is we have no idea what rare earth metals would actually cost in a market. We may find that every all these things are incredibly expensive that we don't even understand the cost of because our, the pricing on them is completely warped. Can you but elaborate on that no, a little bit while wait, we're on the topic? No, this discussion, nobody... Well, in this discussion, one thing I was getting at was that nobody talks about, on the left, nuclear energy. And the fact of the matter is, is that there's like this lifespan on it that once we've depleted all of the uranium that we have to use for the energy now, there's a completely another set of, uh, you know, of you. There's another use cycle of the byproduct that we can now do. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like even the even like the waste product of our current nuclear energy can be used to create nuclear energy in the future. Do you can you elaborate on that part? Um, like, so you I'm take the be, same I'm uranium? Honest, something I, I'm not an I'm not an expert on it. It's not something we've actually talked about on the show yet. I do because I I'm like with you on that. I want to get someone who is an expert on this. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, I I know that the, the the talk that's going around, and then that's I guess one of the big things is that um, neither of us is necessarily an expert, but I don't think. I think so much of this even requires, you know, an expert attention. And maybe that's the whole Austrian economist, you know, I come from the Austrian School of Economics, and we specifically look at incentives and how they affect the way things happen and the way, you know, human action moves along. You don't need to be an expert to sit there and look at the ways in which mismanagement by bad actors and government entities warps causes bad signals and um, gets in the way of actual progress. The fact of the matter is, is that anything big enough doesn't want change. It's in Mm -hmm. the best interest of all parties involved currently to keep the earth as polluted as it is without getting into even the philosophical grounding of the fact that who's to say if the, what temperature the earth is supposed to be anyway. (laughs) Right, I know the the hubris. At the end of the day, of the Earth is going to be here. We just might not be. Right. One of my favorite episodes that we've done so far. We uh we had a conversation about. Like, he, it started off with invasive species and what's an invasive species? What's a natural thing to exist somewhere? And you know, it starts with plant life, but then you have to get into the ter- what does the word natural mean? You know. We're are human beings natural. What declares something unnatural? Is it the fact that we use tools? Well, then what's the you know the lineation? Because there's monkeys that use tools out there. Mm-hmm. Like at the end of the day, everything of this earth is natural. It's always something manipulating its environment for its own survival. Perhaps we have a larger, um, a larger ability to do that than other things. But there's nothing 
more or less natural about what we do to the earth as opposed to dung beetles that go out there and make giant mounds of shit. (laughs) Okay, now let me ask you, I guess, the biggest topic of the day, which is going to be the climate change thing. So you touched on that just briefly um, a moment ago, but I mean, if somebody... If you're in a discussion with just average people talking about climate change, how do you wedge yourself in there and what do you have to say about that? Well, the first thing is is that nobody's having an actual climate change discussion. That's just not something that's happening. And with everything, you need to look at what the costs and the benefits are. The first thing I would say is, you know, plants are really good in, uh, (laughs) you know, they're really good with CO2. They tend to fare well. And they also tend to do better in higher temperatures, as do we. Mm-hmm. Now, there's plenty of other reasons to that there there are environmental issues. But you know what? We don't have a lot of environmental issues. First world countries, the places we all seem to have them are really poor nations. Coincidentally, everything that they want to do will make all nations like everything boils down to economics because it's the only way they can manipulate things. So mm-hmm. when they're approaching this from an economic standpoint, it's let's. You know, do carbon taxes. Let's do things that are going to make it more expensive to do things that we think raise the issue. If you listen to Bob Murphy, he talks about it a lot. The fact of the matter is that even with the people that are really concerned about this, the best projections and the best things they're willing to do don't reverse anything. They simply slow it down a little bit, not even all that much. And the actual amount of economic progress that they suck out goes it makes everyone on the planet poorer and the poorer the people on the planet are the less they care about trees the less they care about endangered species the only people that have the luxury of caring about those things are wealthy people right right if you look at if you look at where all of the worst you know uh all the worst instances of deforestation in south america are i'm gonna say right now it's not impressively capitalist countries that's a good point that's a really good point and you know we see that with so many things like you have modern well-to-do liberals especially i would say here in the united states that are criticizing like the fact that a country has no minimum wage or you know they don't have health care for all or they don't have sufficient like, you know, air conditioning, whatever it is, they want all of these high standard things for people in a country that they just don't have the foundation for that. They don't have the capital structure. They don't have the, even if they had air conditioners and all of these things, they don't have the means to repair and maintain those things. So it's like, you know, obviously you can't just impose prosperity on people. Otherwise, we would just pass a law that everybody has to be rich, and okay, we're done, right? Well, that's called the fight for 15, right? we got to make <laughs> sure everyone's rich. Um, the biggest thing about this is it takes so many things for granted, the number one of which being that there is an optimum temperature, there is an optimum way the Earth is supposed to be. The fact of the matter is, is that by default, no ecosystem no planet, nowhere, anything, nothing that occurs naturally in nature is static. 
That's not how nature works. Mm-hmm. Anything that we want to do to keep it static or keep it from changing in any way is inherently like that's more unnatural than us going out and doing things that help make our life better across the board. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. That's, that's a huge, it's a huge thing that people don't think about. They don't talk about what is, what is the point in saving the rhinoceros if I have to kill all the people to make that happen? At the end of the day, the leftist narrative for, um, you know, environmental control is that they just hate people. They, they think people inherently are evil. And while I may have issues with some people and <laughs> issues with the broader people in general, the fact of the matter is, is I don't hate people. I think that's, that's the, 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 the hands thrown up in the air, just giving up. Let's just throw the entire, uh, you know, throw the entire chessboard across the thing because we don't like the way things are going or we're not winning. They're trying to make, they're trying to take the environment and use it as an excuse for their own shortcomings and what they believe is wrong with humanity. Yeah, yeah. And it's like a nihilistic view for sure. Um, well, it's frustrating. Um, I was I, I was just watching this past weekend. It came out, the uh, Good Omens. And I've never read the books, but the Netflix series was really good. But it makes it a point that a big part of the st- narrative there is that like the Antichrist character he becomes obsessed with the environment because of this other character. And it's that obsession with the environment that actually makes him want to destroy the earth. Hmm. And you have, you know, all of the, the real causes elements within his little crew of people, you know, he, 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 it pushes him to that point where it's, it's so analogous to the modern leftist view of the environment that we just need to destroy the whole thing and start over. Humanity needs to be decimated, and then we can do it right the next time. Yeah, and we've got a lot of that Malthusian kind of stuff coming through in the popular culture. Libertarians routinely get blamed for being Malthusians, and that's the the exact opposite of anything that any of us believe. Right. <laughs> like, like you said, I, I hope that it comes across in the interview, like, that I'm so incredibly passionate about preserving and helping to make the world a better place. Oh, I definitely am getting the vibe. Yeah, no question. So, Nick, I've got one final thing here for you, and then I want to talk about a project that uh, that you and I have been working on together, and a lot of people may already know what that is, but uh, I still want to kind of hash that out a bit. So um, on the show now, I'm doing the same question as my final question every time. Sorry, so, sorry. I just, uh, I just, uh, the, the, the lost connection. I'm sorry. Sorry, lost connection there for a second. What is the last thing you heard? Oh, were you still talking? <laughs> I was still talking there for a minute. Okay. Um. Well, so we were talking about the Malthusians and... I think that was about it. All right. Well, I was. I went off on. You were. You're passionate about the environment. You wanted that well, to yeah, come I, across. I, I, yeah, I, I, that really important to me is that people understand that. Like the fact of the matter is, is that the left doesn't get to own care for the like for the environment and for what we do to the planet. The fact of the matter is, is we all have an incentive and a stake in it if we have a private culture, private property culture. 
Like, I want this to be here for my children. The, the, the long-term game is something that only people that acquire wealth can even worry about playing. Until you get above that belief in just simply existing, you can't understand that. Mm-hmm. I want everyone to have that incentive and that stake in things to truly understand the costs of our decisions. And we don't get that from the left. We just get more nihilism and people trying to dictate for others what they think is best. I would rather have everyone on this planet trying to do something to make the world better because it makes their own life better. It makes life for their children better. But they don't until they understand the cost and see how that bears out in both economic and real world scenarios, like we, there's nothing that can be done. Where they're all, everyone's yelling about stuff that's largely unimportant. When things need to be fixed, they'll be fixed by the people that are capable of fixing them. But when you continue to grandize, aggrandize and grandstand about things that probably aren't problems at the cost of things that could be genuine problems, it's, it's incredibly frustrating. <laughs> Well, it's frustrating for sure. I mean, no question there. Um, as with so many issues, and if we kept along on those lines, I mean, we'd have 10 more episodes. I'm a capitalist that wants the environment to be here doing what it's supposed to do for the next billion years making money for people that need to make money off of it. <laughs> it's not the supposed to be popular. just makes sense. You're not supposed to be able to have both of those views at the same time, right? You're supposed to be a capitalist or... You want to preserve the environment. So I'm glad that you connected the dots there for us. Um, now, Nick, I have uh, I have one more question for you as part of the regular show. And then I want to talk a little bit about a project that we have in common. And some people know what that is already. But so every end of the show now, I'm asking everybody the same question. So what's your brief assessment of the state of the culture in the United States as of today, right now, and then what's your prescription for improving it? Honestly, I think uh, at this current state, that's an actually impossible question to answer because I don't think there is just one culture here in America for sure. Mm-hmm. I think there's a few of them, and they're trying to eck out their own dominance over the other ones. And I think that that's a fool's errand to even attempt. The fact of the matter is, is we need to find the people that are like us and create the societies that we want for ourselves and basically just get out of each other's hair. That's the best thing we can do. You know, I don't want to be sharing the world with a bunch of racists if I can avoid it. That doesn't make, doesn't make my daughter or life's, you know, my daughter or wife any safer. So really what we need to do is you need to go out and you need to build communities with the people that you have things in common with. Don't let the, 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 don't take that to take it to don't sweat the small stuff of all those other people that you disagree with. You know, you can only do good for those that you can do good for and the others aren't going to listen to. You. Hmm. Well, good answer. <laughs> Maybe not the answer you were looking for, but no, it's good. It's yeah. really good. I think, um. I, I think culture can only be developed from the, from the micro, not the macro perspective. So basically, secession? <laughs> it's said at least. <laughs> I mean, I, there's my, people like Michael Malice out there who would say that we don't even need to go that far. The fact of the matter is, is we mostly self-segregate already. Every now and then we try and force ourselves to be around each other is the problem. Right. 
Right. Well, gosh, man, that's a whole episode too. We'll have to come back to that <laughs> another time. Uh, so, okay. How can people keep up with and support this new project of yours? And then uh, don't turn off that uh, media player, whatever you're listening to, because we have more to talk about after this. Um, freemarketscreener.com. I think that's what it is. You, can, you should be able to go there. And if you can't, let me know and I'll Make sure there's a page there when you get there. <laughs> cool. Part, yeah. part of having a million uh, things I'm involved in, sometimes I let small stuff slip through the cracks because I'm maybe a little on the shiny object syndrome occasionally. Well, and the last guest on the show was Daniel Elwood, which I love he, that episode. <laughs> he talked a lot about that, so that was good. Um, and, of course, whenever we get the link figured out it'll be at luketatum.com slash 31 so now before i let you go nick we'll run a little bit over time here but um we've been doing something since january 1st and i'd say it's going rather well um what do you have to say about the good old freedom song 365 project uh, it has been one of the most and Lightning and interesting and rewarding projects I've personally ever been involved with. Uh, you, you, me, and Sherry sitting there with music we may have heard of, music we may have not heard of. Um, in both instances, getting to see, getting to toy around with the philosophy that we espouse and look at how other people have thought about it and kind of work through things and see the different launch pads, jumping off points that we can do to talk about our philosophy that are in stuff that people already know. Or, you know, sometimes it's stuff that people don't know, that nobody knows. And it gives us the, you know, the ability to show something that's really, really tailored to our ideas and get that out there in front of people. Um, both you and Sherry are far better writers than I am. I'm probably only involved in the project because I'm, a, I'm one of those people that just wants to go and start something and make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm glad I found people that are, you know, competent writers and thinkers more than myself. I'm just there to make sure that it all goes out at the end of the day. Well, and Sherry's really pushed me because I was originally doing two or three sentence write-ups and then she's writing like short novels for every song. So, uh, you know, <laughs> it's really good. It has been. A, well, I, I think you said a couple, a couple of days ago that we actually had, a, we've eclipsed the the novel Fahrenheit 451 or something of that nature. Oh, well, that was like in April. So we're probably 50% over that now. Um, it's going to be war and peace before the year's over. <laughs> it's so crazy to think about. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it is three you know, of us, but yeah. You know, there's certain, like, there's certain songs, like, obviously I know the song Silent Running by Mike and the Mechanics, but I never yeah. thought about what that song's really about. And, you know, to tell people, like, that's one of the most anarchist songs I've ever heard in my life. If you listen to it, like, totally, that song, I don't even get played on the radio anymore with some of the lyrical content. But then you've also got stuff that, like, what was Slade Cleaves that we listened to the other day that has this just beautiful song. I've never heard of a guy. Yeah, me neither. So it's just, awesome. Just in the, throughout, you know, the, we're not even halfway through the year. Sometimes it's so weird to think about. But we've, you know, we've talked to people. We've gotten songs. It's like it's it's been so like marvel marvelous <laughs> in the most, you know, useful sense of that word for this to sit there and look at everything that's out there. Yeah, you know, yeah. 
the fact of the matter is, is if you want to talk about culture, which is obviously what you do on the show, the fact of the matter is, is the way that we go out and we're going to make any change. And the reason the left has been so successful in the changes they've made is that they get involved with culture. They go and they're the music, they're the media, they're the movies. You know, we need to go and find out how to make those stories resonate with the ideas that we have to offer. The fact of the matter is, is that when it comes to logic and facts, history is with us. Yeah. We're, we're the ones on top there. Unfortunately, that's not how sales works in every instance of art is selling to somebody something we need to get figure the selling part out well and i know you're working hard at that because you've been writing sales copy and you know working on all your projects and you're you're getting something figured out which is good i need to do more of that but um man this is good i'm just being places (laughs) Uh, and you've got if i'm prolific enough they can't ignore me (laughs) You've got a big um, appearance coming up, right? Do you want to plug that? Um, yeah, I'll actually, I'm going to be at Pork Fest here this month with uh, my wife and my daughter. Uh, I'm going to be performing on Wednesday uh, of, at the Creative Communities Tent, uh, actually performing some of the selections from the Freedom Song 365 Project on stage and doing a little bit of uh, talk about the songs uh, I will also be part of a, you know, community, better communities through podcasting panel with Mark Claire of Lines of Liberty, Roger Paxton of the Lava Flow, um, Jay Catano of Anarcho Inc., and Dan Smots of the System is Down podcast, uh, talking about the ways in which, you know, podcasts can build communities and m- make the changes that we want to see and how we can grow the movement through these endeavors that we're taking over the microphone nice and that is so i don't know the dates per uh for pork fest (laughs) off the top of my head but wednesday 20th one thing is wednesday the 20th and maybe the uh friday the 22nd i think okay if 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 you go to sounds like liberty.com or sounds like liberty podcast.com or there's a million different ways you can get to my website and find out more. <laughs> yeah, and I'll link to that and then I'll link to Porkfest and of course to Freedom Song 365 which is conveniently freedomsong365.com. So, uh check that out everybody if you haven't already. I know it sounds like something that oh, you know, okay, music fine and you just move on, but uh as I hope this discussion helped to illustrate it's really, it's we're, we're connecting I, the dots. I think I from like a really long. I like to think of it as in the ideological war out there. If you're going to yeah. go out, and you're going to fight in the culture and and try and take back the airwaves, so to speak. We're giving you the ammo to do that. Go and have those conversations with things that people already are aware of. And part well, and of. It, it makes me feel less um, isolated to know that there has been this strain of thought for many many years you know we are finding stuff from like the 50s uh that we're listening to and incorporating so it's just it's way way more awesome than you think it is so freedomsong365.com i mean it's rewarding for me to even do it that's why why, the reason i keep at it yeah and when when everything's said and done like the amount of the amount of work that we'll have you know amassed as far as music within the liberty community goes uh, i i it's 
I, it's something that I feel is genuinely important, and I'm I, I can I can never take it back, and that's I love that aspect of it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it is really an important, awesome thing. So I hope more people will check it out. Um, but Nick, I'll let you go. We're we're about ten minutes over the normal runtime, so um, this has been awesome. I appreciate you coming on the show, especially on short notice and with me not having all my stuff together. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you had me. Yeah, man. It's fun as always. Um, Again, everybody, LukeTatum.com slash 31. Thanks so much, Nick. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, Luke. I will record my um, intro with you on the air like I normally do, and then we'll go into it. I literally have no questions or anything prepared, so we're just going to have a freewheeling conversation.